Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of Overcome and Become. Like always, with me is my co-host, Humberto Kaufman. And today we are without a guest. So we thought we would keep it traditional, you know, just shoot the shit and answer some Instagram questions slash topics that you guys want us to touch on and discuss. How are you doing today, Humberto? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I finished my breakfast on time today so that, you know, I didn't have to make you upset if I walked away while you were talking. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Fuck off. Uh, no, man, it's been a really, it's been a really good couple of weeks. I'm happy with the way things are going. Uh, it's nice to see everybody else, you know, buckling down, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, the gym's just filling out more, uh, life, some are sort of getting back to normal for everybody prep in general. It's a good feeling. So I got no complaints, man. Yeah. I'm just excited to get this competitive season going. You know, it, it feels like we need it. I, I, I need I don't know about yourself, but I want and need to see a good show, sit and just enjoy this beautiful sport of bodybuilding. Just, you know, whether I have clients or not, I think this is something that, you know, it was lacking last year, of course. We had very, very few shows and the very few shows that happened were, of course, restricted or felt a little rushed, if you will. So uh, fingers crossed that this year is completely different. As of right now, I have no reason to believe that it's going to be like last year. I think things are going to be a little bit closer to normal. But uh, yes, definitely exciting. We have a few athletes competing in the local show here and a few ones doing the pro qualifiers too. So uh, yeah, it's it, it feels like the, the weeks are flying by, so to speak. Well, at least for me, because I'm not prepping. I don't know about you guys, but uh, you know, definitely exciting. I don't know. I think about it and I go, how many weeks is it till the, till the VDC? 16? 15? Uh, 15. Now we are just under 15. Uh, so this is right right around where people need to really start to take a look at what they're lacking, what needs to, to improve, and definitely take control over, over it before we get into the last few weeks, at which point it's too late. Oh. Um, no need to laugh at that. But <clears throat> the reason I was laughing is the time flies, right? Like once you hit 12 weeks out, it just bang, 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 it goes. And before you know it, it's peak week. Honestly, and it depends, of course, in the, on the individual. It depends on the prep and whatever. Of course, different people have different rates of progress, different starting points. But generally speaking, the last, I used to think only the, the last four weeks, but lately I'm thinking more of the last six weeks. Uh, it depends on where you are. But the last four to six weeks are, in my opinion, the hardest because you are, of course, the most depleted. You're getting... You've been by that time you've been prepping and you've been under the monotony of the sport and doing things over and over and over for weeks and months. And uh, it is at that point that things really do start getting to you. But this is exactly where the winners separate from the losers, really, because the people that are able to remain in control of their thoughts, of their actions, uh, sticking true to the plan, you know not being overly emotional and not allowing emotions to take control of their actions. That's what really makes a difference in the last weeks, because a lot can happen in the last weeks, even in the last week. If you don't stick to the protocol that you've provided or the plan that perhaps if you're coaching yourself, whatever plan that you set out to, to do, yeah, sure. There may be some instances in which you may have to modify it but if you deviate too much from it this is where you can really mess up months week 
of prep, right? So we need to really keep this in mind, you know, first time competitors, seasoned competitors, you need to just stop fucking around, so to speak. The biggest thing in my personal opinion, no matter what level you're at, if you want it bad enough, you're going to do what's required. And if you didn't really want it, it's going to show and there's going to be an excuse and there's going to be a reason. There's going to be this and that and the third as to why you couldn't get this done or why you fucked up this time. But the reality of it is you have no one to blame but yourself. And the people that don't take accountability, again, it really shows. You know, you know what? It's very interesting because when I, when I say these things, I, I, I'm speaking from experience. I've been competing long enough. I've been there. I've been the person that didn't take accountability for their actions, that blames something else or someone else other than myself. When in reality, it was always within my control, within my reach. And if I didn't get to where I needed to get, it was because of me and no one else. Now, going back to what you just mentioned, it's very easy, very freaking easy to make a post or say something, whether it's that you ban it, you want it bad enough, or that you're going to do this or do that and be all hardcore when you have all of the food still in your system, when you feel good, when you're in a very good and high position. And this normally happens, I've noticed, when you're training, when those endorphins start to you know, come out and you, you have that really positive brain mindset. You feel good. You look good. You have the pump. You have the veins perhaps coming out. You feel invincible. So... I wouldn't really take anything seriously when you're stating it at that point, because it's incredibly easy to do. Now, when you are absolutely exhausted, when you are barely able to keep your eyes open, but you have 45 minutes of cardio to, to an hour to do, when you're starving, when you are so depleted that you're really going into a dark place, that's when it really matters. That's when, when, when people say that they're going to do things that's when you really should be looking back at that cocky post or at that statement that you made about how bad you really want it or, you know, that you were going to win and do whatever it takes to get to where you want to get. That's when it really matters. Not when you feel good, it's when you feel like absolute shit, when you're in that really deep hole that truly is a testament of whether you actually meant it or whether you were full of shit. So... I really want to get that out because I think it's very important. It's very common that people make these false statements. And listen, I'm not trying to, you know, bring anyone down. I'm not trying to really, you know, uh, speak ill of that behavior. It's good. You should be a go-getter, but definitely make a note, a mental note as to what is the difference. And this this is not, no easy feat. The sport, it's one of the hardest sports on earth, if not the, the hardest, because you have to be on... 24-7, absolutely everything that you do in a day has to do with that goal in mind for those minutes that you're going to be on stage. Other sports, they require a great deal of skill and, of course, repetition and practice, but you don't necessarily have to be 100% with your diet. You have a lot of you know other sports in which going out, drinking in the weekend, it's fine. You recover within a day or two, and then you go back to doing what you need to do. In bodybuilding, especially if you're prepping, you can't do that. You can't afford to, you know, mess up that day for them, especially if you're shooting at a high level. So I think this is important to establish for anyone, whether you're doing your, your very first prep, whether you're thinking about prepping, it's important that you realize the 
amount of work that it actually entails. Because I think for a lot of people, they do it, whether it's for the wrong reasons or they don't have enough information with which to make a decision of going ahead with the prep and stepping on stage. It's, no, it's not easy. It requires a lot of work and it's going to be probably the hardest thing you're, you're ever going to do. So I think mentioning this and people knowing this makes them better prepared to go through the steps and walk the walk. It's good that you mentioned all this. And I say that because lately I've found, I've found some people, you know, just registering for shows and stuff and they've never competed before. They don't have a coach. And they don't really know what they're doing. And it's not a, I mean, it could be a very bad thing or it could be an okay thing. I mean, if you want to do it because it's on your bucket list and you want to do it, like, fine, whatever, that's your choice. But if you don't actually know what's going to go into it and what's prepared and you have some sort of expectation, you may make yourself look very foolish. And maybe that doesn't matter to you. Maybe you don't give a shit. Maybe you just want to do it to say, hey, I did a bodybuilding show, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there are people like ourselves and others, many others, who take it very seriously. And I personally find it almost not insulting, but irritating, I guess is the best way to put it. When you see people just, you know, ah, yeah, I can compete. And they just decide to, to do it without actually realizing what goes into it. And then they do it half fast. And then it's just, you know, that another body on stage that really shouldn't be there because everybody yeah. else is taking it seriously and killing themselves mm -hmm. and suffering and putting the work in day in and day out and at home, their personal relationships are suffering. Their mental state is suffering. So it's kind of like a slap in the fucking face when you see something like that. And that's just my two cents on it. But mm -hmm. I want to say it because it's been three or four people lately as, as of recent that I've seen register. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? If you don't know what you're doing, what are you doing? You don't even know what goes into right. it. But, you know what? Yeah. It's interesting because I've actually been that guy too. Like my very first show, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I, a trainer, and this is back in Mexico. Um, one of the trainers said, hey, you should do a show. I'm like, shit, right? Uh, why not? Seems like fun. Like going back into it, like thinking back, my goal wasn't necessarily, I don't think it was to win. It was just to go through the process, maybe learn see what I could do with my current level of knowledge, with my current mindset, whatever. As long as doing it serves you, I think go for it. You know, it's, it's then again, that's why we have categories like the true novice and the novice. So, so right. people enter these shows and they realize what really is, what really the level is, what you should kind of be looking like. Now, it also depends on what type of coach you have. If your coach is an experience and their level of what you should bring to your first show is not perhaps what another coach uh, would have you be or shoot for for your first show, even at the true novice, then that's going to show. That difference is going to show on stage. And that's fine. I mean, of course, you know, if the coach understands that you're doing it for you, it's a goal that you have, and the coach is fine with you perhaps not being up to par with the rest of the competition, by all means. I mean, you're everyone is benefiting, you know, you're going, you're doing something you want to do. The coach is, you know, providing, if the coach is providing you with a good service, you're also... At the end of the day, also for, it is a business. So the coach is getting paid. The association is getting the registration and the membership. I mean, everyone wins. Everyone's happy, right? As long as after it, you don't beat yourself over too badly. You're well aware that you could probably get dead last. If you're okay with that, if your coach is, is okay with that, 
then by all means. But if you actually haven't thought about this and you go into it and then this happens and then you get mad at everything, at yourself, at the coach, why didn't you tell me that, you know, I wasn't ready? Why, you know, it's important that you have that communication with your coach of what is the expectation, what you should be uh, shooting for. Because if you don't, then you run into the risk of being very unhappy and dissatisfied. So as long as you realize that this is a possibility and you're prepared for it and you're, you've, you've analyzed the situation, then you, you know, by, by all means, go for it. But if you are shooting for first place and your coach either doesn't know or doesn't tell you that you're not up to the level, then you're going, you're setting yourself for disappointment. And in many cases, if you're the type of people that doesn't take accountability, you're going to blame your coach. You're going to blame bodybuilding. You're going to say bodybuilding is unhealthy. It's bad for your mindset. It's bad for this, bad for that. Happens all the time. Why? Because the person wasn't ready mentally, not only physically, but mentally to go through the process. It is a tough sport. You're being judged. You're wearing very little on stage. and You're being judged by complete strangers and you're being seen by hundreds, perhaps thousands of people. So it is, I'm not saying this to dissuade you from competing. I'm saying this to make you better prepared if it's your very first time or you're considering to doing it. I want you to be prepared for potential outcome. Now, yes, it's very hard. Yes, it's very challenging and humbling and intimidating. But if you put everything into it, whatever that means for you, because there's like what everything into it is for a pro is not going to be what everything into it means for you. Whatever it is for you, if you put everything into it, regardless of the outcome, it's going to be the most rewarding experience that you'll probably experience in your life. Uh, or at least one of the, the most rewarding experiences. Now, Another thing actually that just popped into my mind is people that are a little bit too hard on themselves. So this is a very important topic because if you don't realize that you are in that group and that behavior is actually not serving you, in fact, it's potentially doing the opposite, then you're either going to set yourself for disappointment then again. You're going to miss on what's actually happening regarding how much you're progressing, how much you're evolving, how much you're learning. If you only focus on the negative, that's only all you're going to see. And you're going to rob yourself from the real experience of growth. And, you know, there's some people and I've had some clients that they're like, oh, if I'm only shooting for first. If I don't get first, I feel like I lost. I'm a loser. It's a huge misconception, though, because if you think about it, you're training as hard as you can with the mentality to want to win first. That's where your mindset is, but you have to be aware of what the possible outcome could be. The progression and the journey, that's the reward, really. That's what it is because you see how far you can push the limitations of your body, right? What happens on show day, whether it's first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, well, that's the case. And that's, that's, that's just, it is what it is, man. You were not on that day, the best person, but during your prep, during the duration of your prep, all those changes you made, that's a testament to your hard work. And that's where the real lesson is. That's mm -hmm. where you see you are possible. You have the potential and the possibility to keep growing, keep getting better and keep getting leaner and leaner. And a lot of people, like you said, they're way too hard on themselves. They miss that entire point, which is testing your limitations and seeing what you're made of. You did one, let's say, you know, one or two preps, you did your first and your second prep. Well, you got better both times, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Your placing probably got better. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you're going into your third, you have that much more experience and knowledge. You know how much further you could probably push yourself. You're only going to keep getting better. 
But a lot of people, they're so hard on themselves. They want that first place right away. They expect the world. And nine times out of 10, when they're that hard on themselves, they could just turn themselves off completely. And again, it comes back to accountability. They might end up blaming everybody else, including themselves way too much. Mm -hmm. and, and this is something that I tell my clients very often. I didn't win my class until my sixth show. Six. There's some people that want to win the first show, and that's fine. You should be shooting for that. But it's, it's what happens after if, when it doesn't happen that speaks to your character. Do you just get angry at the, 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 the entire process at yourself, at the world, and just stop because you didn't win your first show? Or do you say, okay, this is what happened now. Let's see what I can do next time. Let's see how much I can grow, how much I can improve. You also have to be very objective. This is what I did this spread. In order for me to have a different outcome, something has to change. And that's one thing that I try to do, whether I coach myself or even when I work with another coach. I, have, I, I always look back at absolutely every single one of the now 16 preps that, I, that I've done. And I, you have to document. You have to realize what you did previously and what you can change and do better this next time around to get a better result. If you do the exact same thing, it's very, very unlikely that you're going to get a different outcome. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something that it's, it's, it's important to realize. And, and, and also like in this sport, like there's so many variables. You can, you can look better than the year prior or the show prior and get a worse placing. It all depends on who shows up or you could also look worse and get a better placing because there was either not enough competitors in the class or not as many or the level just wasn't as high as previously. You know, it's, it, you, there's, these are things that you cannot control. So the moment you realize that, then you realize that you should focus on the things that you can, and that's yourself and what you can do to bring yourself to a, a, as high of a level as possible and see, you know, where you end up, in, uh, you know, within the competition based on that. Since we're on the, since we're on the topic of preps and competitions, let's transition into the topic of post-show depression, body dysmorphia, mm -hmm. and the after effects of steroid use. I think these all go hand in hand for a lot of people. Um, especially if you don't use a proper post-cycle therapy for a lot of reasons. So what's your opinion on these things in your own experience? Because we're basically, we're talking about just personal experience, not actual, not the actual science behind it. Right. I can only speak for personal experience and, uh, regarding my experience with my clients. So I think there's a couple of things that we have to take into consideration. One, the post-show blues are likely to happen not only for enhanced athletes, also for natural athletes. I think there's a combination of physiological factors, as many as there are psychological ones. So let's assume that this is a natural athlete, right? So obviously by assuming this, we're going to take out of the equation whatever potential negative psychological and, and, and chemistry factors the cycle will give you after a show. Because I experienced this even when I first started competing, when I was completely natural. I think it's a combination of you're just potentially changing your environment and your habits because everything leading up to the show was shaped a specific way. You have the most structure potentially that you've ever had in your life. So after the show, it's almost like that, it's almost like that climax, right? You get into, into you, you get to the top of the mountain, the show happens, whatever happens, whether you win or you lose. But then afterwards, it's like at that point, you're like, that's as high as you got. So everything after that, you can only go down. So you know what I mean? Like it's, it's realizing that that's gone. So what's next? That's basically what most people are. They're completely confused. And in most cases, 
they go to a coach up until that show and then they stop working with them. They stop getting guidance. They stop, especially if it's your very first time, if you're a newbie, if you're very first show. What, and, and, and it doesn't even have to be competitive. Sometimes even just going through a transformation, whether it's lifestyle or whatever. Now, mind you, if you're having a hard time after you reach your goal, it wasn't a lifestyle change. It was just a quick fix. You drop a bunch of pounds. That's great for you. You didn't develop the base. You didn't develop the habits and the structure. You're fucked after because then you're going to realize it is, it is, it is, it is basically what happens very often. You did not create those habits. You don't have that structure. So once you reach your goal, that's missing. You'll either conform or you'll go back because you have no base. The same with the competition. If you don't have any guidance, you won't know what to do. You're basically lost and, 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 Obviously, you are in a situation physically. Again, if you don't have any knowledge regarding what you should be doing with your diet after, um, I do find that it helps, even if it's not a competition later on, to set some sort of goal that you shoot for to keep you with a vision of what you should be doing and keep you so to speak, I don't want to use the word motivation because we know that's complete nonsense. It's, it's unreliable. You, it comes and goes. But at the very least, when you have that end goal, you have some sort of vision of the direction you should be shooting for and where you're going. Because if you don't have that, then it's very likely that you just deviate completely from But you don't have anything. So you're not even deviating from anything. You're just doing whatever it feels right. And at that point, what feels right is to stuff your face with as much as possible because your body is really wanting to replenish all of the body fat and glycogen storages that you were not really getting for the sake of being lean enough for the show. So that would be the one of the factors of the post-show post blues, if you will. You are missing direction. You don't know which way you're going. You're completely lost. Now, let's talk about the enhanced aspect of things. I do believe that unfortunately the great majority of competitors, whether it's for lack of knowledge or just negligence, they do not do what they're supposed to do with the post-psychotherapy or with the what they are on when it comes to a cycle. Again, I've been there myself, so I can speak from experience in this regard as well. You are in a chemical environment that is pretty aggressive and, you know, there's a bunch of external hormones happening in your, in your system. So after the show, if you just stop, you're going to put yourself in a very, very bad situation because eventually what you have in your system is going to leave your bloodstream and you're not going to automatically go back to your natural testosterone levels and your natural levels of the other hormones. You're actually going to experience a very deep fall in those levels before your natural ability starts to bring them back to their natural levels. And this, if you don't provide them with a little bit of a signal or an aid for this to start to happen, it's going to take probably quite as long, if not longer. So what I really mean by this is people are not, again, whether they know it whether they are aware of it or not, they don't do what they're supposed to do after a show. They don't take care of their psychotherapy or 
tapering down to lower levels, if you want to do your cruise or whatever, they either uh, continue on that drug for a little bit longer than they potentially should. Some people don't ever come up. It's, it's, and that's, that's another thing to, that's a not, whole nother topic because that's the psychological addiction of it. You feel like Superman, you feel invincible or Superwoman, you feel invincible as well because this happens to some females as well. And you don't give your body a, a break, which is not only, eventually it's just gonna get, like if, you, if your system gets used to this high level of drugs, what are you going to have to do later to continue to progress. It's not only going to become super expensive potentially, but incredibly unhealthy. Um, And I personally dislike the idea of depending on anything to be able to continue doing what I love. So mind you, the very first time that I took a serious look in the mirror and I asked myself, are you psychologically addicted to it? It was a very hard moment in in a very very, uh, very self-reflecting moment, if you will, because sometimes it's hard to, to really accept that you're potentially in that situation, that you are dependent on, on, on something. But the moment I realized that, then in the moment I accepted it, it was easier for me to take steps to kind of get out of there. It wasn't, I'm not going to say it was like a, a, a very deep or even comparable, perhaps, addiction to some other drugs uh, or some other aspects, but it, it has similarities. And I think when it comes to this, a lot of people, both men and women, they just identify themselves with their physiques. They are, they're, they are a muscular physique and they almost think that if they were to lose that, they're nothing. So that's something to definitely think about and consider because if that's the main, if the, what are they going to say when I lose all of my gains? If that's a factor, there's something wrong that needs to be corrected. You need to really realize that it is necessary to either take a little bit of a step back or completely come off with the, you know, adequate PCT in order for you to not put yourself in a physical and psychological hole. In all honesty, um, I didn't PCT this time around when I came off after the show in October. And fuck, like it, I felt it in so many different ways. It took so long to actually start to feel normal again in every aspect whether it was just functioning to go to work every day, to feel like myself, to actually feel engaged when I was at the gym. I don't know how to explain it because I guess we were like, you know, just running gear for so long that year, obviously because of COVID, it was a mess, man. I regret it so much. And even getting the sex drive back, because I'll be honest, the sex drive was like fucking gone. It was out. It was non-existent. There was nothing. Even if I wanted to, nope. And it, it just, man. For those listening, always take your PCT and do it properly. You may in the moment, you may in the moment um, feel like you don't want to because you want to keep running the gear. You want to keep building muscle and looking and feeling a certain way, depending what kind of drugs you're using. Uh, I know personally for me, like I love the feeling of being on trend. I love it. It's great. I think it's fantastic. And it's, but if we're speaking psychologically, it's also super addictive. I would almost put it if you if you are someone with like a addictive personality or whatever, and whether that might be like, you know, you enjoy having a drink, you enjoy being the weekend warrior and you maybe dabble in some drugs like that drug is something that's not for you because you're going to like it so much. You're not going to want to come off of it. Right. Um, And that was my experience with it. 
Uh, there were times where I ran it for far too long and I didn't want to come off. There were also times where I PCT properly. And let me tell you, very quickly, I felt like myself again. So I can speak from both uh, sides of both sides of it right there and just say, you know, if you don't use the PCT, you're going to hit a real low point. And, and mentally too, right? Because if you feel off physically, mentally, it fucks with you really badly too. So, yeah. Let's let's touch, not talk, but let's touch on the subject of dating in the fitness community. What do you think? Oh boy, this is a this is a very interesting topic to me. Well, I think in general, most people find it it's potentially interesting. Well, not, not necessarily. I think um, there's so many topics or 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 angles within the same topic that we can touch on. And I think in the future, I will definitely like to do a meeting in which we have you and me, but then we have to have the opposite, almost we like not necessarily a debate, two female personalities or competitors or people that are, um, you know, would like to pitch in and give their insights when it comes to this topic, because that would make it a little bit less biased. I think we know we are guys, we think a certain way, but uh, all right, well, yeah, I think it would be very ladies or female coaches or whatever if you're listening you want to jump in on the debate or sorry discussion about dating in the fitness community please feel free to slide in the overcome become dm and send us a chat let us know <laughs> yes yeah, so i think the main topic or or angle that i will i would personally like to touch on when it comes to this is it's not easy finding a partner that can be a solid support system, especially if you're thinking about doing this for a while, not just, you know, one show, two show types type of thing, that the person is comfortable with you potentially doing it every year, maybe more than one prep per year, right? Um, because you have people that they may say that they are supportive of what you're doing, but when it comes to the hard parts of the prep and the hard situations and the hard aspects of it. This means a lot of the activities that you potentially want to do with this person are out of the question when you're prepping, not because, not necessarily even because of the food aspect alone and restrictions of it, but also your levels of energy. And you've, you've experienced this when you're closer to the show, you inevitably are thinking about, when am I going to eat next? Because I'm starving. And sometimes you go to bed earlier because you're out of meals because you wanted to spread them out, uh, you know, over three hour gaps and you were only able to do two and a half because that's all you could do. And then all of a sudden, after five meals, you're setting yourself back like two and a half hours. You're like, shit, man. Like if I don't go to bed right now, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep because I'm just so freaking hungry. So that is a, a reality of it. And sometimes, you know, understanding that the person may not maybe act in a certain way because they're literally hungry, let them eat five minutes after, even in the middle of the meal, they're going to be a completely different person. And this is kind of funny, but it's just something that is so important to understand because once you do for the support system, especially if this person doesn't compete, once you understand this, and as funny as it may sound, it is a reality, things are going to be a lot more easygoing. Again, you have the person that even if sometimes, even if the person tries to understand it as much as possible, they're not going to be able to until they go through it and they don't have to go through it and they don't have to fully necessarily understand it as long as they support it, as long as they are actually building and helping you and allowing you to do these things better, not the opposite. 
not making you feel guilty for doing something that you love, not putting, you know, a limit saying, you know, is this the one and only show you're going to do or are you going to do this more? Because I don't know if I can take it, right? These are realities that need to be taken into consideration. And I think in many cases, this really exposes, and this might be a really hard pill to swallow, but I think in many cases, this really exposes how supportive your significant other really is and what type of a life partner this person may be. And because this is not just about bodybuilding. This is you putting a lot of effort, thought, focus, money, tears, effort, sweat into one thing, one project. You could do the exact same or you can have the exact same level of focus and devotion to something else. You know, whether it's starting a business, whether it's a project that is really uh, close to your heart, it is likely going to require as much time, focus, and energy on this. So if this person is not able to support you as much on this one venture when it comes to bodybuilding, what's to say that when it comes to another type of project that is not bodybuilding related, what's to say that the, the, the support or the attitude towards the process is going to be any different? So it's not really about this person being supportive about uh, for of a project that in their eyes could potentially be vain, in their eyes could potentially be something that is just purely superficial and physical. Again, goes back to them potentially not understanding what this really is about. But it is important to really spot that situation and aspect of the relationship because, I mean, I also think that in a lot of cases, and, and I'm not saying this is the case every single time, but in a lot of cases, when one person has a lot going on and they have this passion that they, they, they are focusing on, they have this thing going on for themselves, some people almost like become a little jealous of it. Not only about the time and the effort and the attention that their significant other is devoting to, to the sport or the project, also the fact that it makes them realize that they potentially, they don't have anything like that. And when you don't really have a lot going on in your life, all you're going to be thinking about is how much you're not getting the attention from this other, other person. Because if you're just as busy, just as devoted, just as, as a hard worker, worker and, and you know, active and, and consistently trying to be busy and focus on something, you're not really going to be thinking or focusing on how much attention you're not getting because you are actually paying attention to something else. And if you really think about it, when both parties are actually working on building themselves in any way, that's only going to strengthen the relationship as a whole. When only one person is the ambitious, driven part of a relationship, that could eventually make this one person realize what the other person is lacking. And, you know, depending on the type of relationship, whether it's a new relationship it could potentially make him realize, oh, shit, maybe this isn't what I'm looking for in my significant other, in my partner for life. So it exposes flaws in the relationship, I think, so to speak. Um, now, and, and listen, you have people like, you know, where the where the competitor is very, very focused on it. But then the other person, they don't even go to the gym, but they understand it and they support it. And they just make the other person's life easier as opposed to making it harder, right? That again, you don't have to do this. You don't have to date someone that does bodybuilding as well. You don't have to, to date someone that even goes to the gym. You have to date someone that is providing you what you need 
what you don't have in order to complement your own self. So I, you know, hopefully this resonates or makes sense from this one aspect of the support system. Like I am married to someone that does the same, has the same passion, if not more for bodybuilding than I, as, as I do. And that could also, you know, if you're prepping at the same time, that could also make it challenging because you're both in a situation in which you're perhaps at times irritable, hungry, tired, depleted, restricted. But if you make a point of working together together and remembering you're in the same team, you're not going against each other. And sure, there might even be some, some friendly in-house competition to see who does best. I've done that with my wife. Most of the time, she's beaten my ass and done better than me. I don't really <laughs> give a shit. You know, I don't really care because at the end of the day if i really care about this person i want them to do well even if that means doing better than me i don't give a shit i'm actually truly happy for them and you know she'll she'll joke about it about she how she did better than me or whatever i genuinely don't care because that's me doing my job helping her become a better person if i'm confident in my own abilities of what i can do and i know that i truly put everything in my prep things like this are not really going to affect me they're just going to be like whatever at the end of the day we both win we're still together we're a stronger relationship you know it's not even this friendly competition it's all only building on what we have so but then again you also learn little things within the prep like even if it's the slightest detail it makes a difference for example when you notice that the other person is a little irritable is it time for them to eat maybe it is let them eat five minutes after they'll be completely different and sure that's short-lived until the next meal but you know once you realize it and spot it it's a lot easier to understand that they're really not being mean to you because they want to or because they don't like you. It's because they're really in a situation in which they just can't help it. So one thing though, if you're prepping with your significant other, don't eat their fucking food. You have to make it very clear that this is yours and this is mine. It's it's not what you normally would think about, but there's this can potentially create a lot of stress and a lot of fights because you're putting both a lot of in you know, a lot into this thing when you're prepping yourself, sorry, you're prepping both for the same show. So if you are missing a hundred grams of chicken and then you look, oh, she's, she has more than enough, I think. And you happen to be wrong. And then because of that, they don't have what they were supposed to have for the next meal, which has happened to me. Big mistake, man. Don't you're almost like sabotage. Like you're being a little bit too selfish. Yes. This is a selfish sport to a degree, but don't do that. It's it's it needs to be a clear understanding because then it gives you more accountability. You are better prepared. You get what you need, and then this other person gets what they need. They don't. You don't get into each other's way. It's something so simple and almost silly, but it makes a freaking difference. Trust me. Let's simplify this. Communication and comprehension is the key. What you just said right there, like yes, that's true. As long as it's established, right? Your meals are yours. My meals are mine. But if you reference the last episode where we had Cody Drobot on, he actually talks similarly to the situation, except he was talking about how the days where he feels very low and depleted on prep, sometimes his fiance will go and she'll be the one to meal prep all of the chicken for the two of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, again, those are things you establish. Let's also be perfectly frank. Yourself, Kat, Cody and his fiance, Ron Partlow and his wife, like, you know, Aldrin and Iman, these are all examples that are exceptions to the rule usually, right? These are 
relationships that require a lot of time. They require a lot of effort, understanding, and mutual respect on both sides that are built over years. It's not just like, uh, all right, we're together. Let's do a prep together. It's going to blow up in your fucking face the first time. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. Because mm -hmm. you don't know each other like that yet, right? And yeah. the same... The, the the saying that people say where as cliche as it sounds if you can't handle me at my worst you don't deserve me at your best it really applies actually in this specific scenario mm -hmm. do you agree yeah. absolutely one note to make on this is perhaps not to take advantage of the saying either because a lot of people will be like well i'm prepping i can be a complete dickhead and then just say and do whatever i want because i'm prepping that's where you're going wrong that's where you fucked up. You can't, you can't do that. You have to, you're, as long as it's an honest, like irritability, again, being irritable doesn't mean, you know, taking There's a password. There's a fine line, you know, when you're yeah. being irritable and you're just being unnecessarily mean to everyone, not just the significant other. I mean, you have to also understand, as Cody mentioned, that this is your choice. This is something that you don't have to do. You get to do it. You have the privilege of doing it's something like this. Yes, absolutely. And and I think when uh, when you really realize, and this is this is something really almost like cliche or whatever, but it helps me sometimes when I'm starving, when I'm you know really hungry, and I almost get into that mindset of of complaining about what I have to do. You have to put things into perspective because it's 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 very important for you to realize that. You have the freedom at one at any point to stop doing it. There's other people that the reality is they don't even have that choice. They don't have that freedom. They don't get to eat whatever they want or even they don't have anything to eat, period. So, yes, you've heard it before, but I think really trying to make it sink in makes you not only grateful for what you have, it puts you in a different mindset and it gives you a different perspective of, what actually is going on. You get to do this. You're, you have the ability that at any point to stop doing it or to eat, you know, food is within your reach. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to, to remember this and realize it because um, if you don't, you're going to take it for granted and you're going to potentially fall into that mindset of, uh, I'm so, I'm so hungry. You're just focusing on the negative. You have to shift that focus to the positive. We, we are fortunate to be able to do this sport. And it's not just saying it very lightly. Like it's a, you know, we, we have the privilege to afford to be able to work enough to do this sport. And where we live, whether it's like for us here in Canada, other people in the States or whatever, there is the privilege of working multiple jobs and making decent money. And I'm only going to say this one time because I feel like it needs to be said. Where you come from and where I come from, where my family comes from, it's not fucking possible unless you're well off. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be, let's be real, man. Like, you know, Central America, people have houses built out of fucking mud, bricks, and, and, and clay. Like, it's a joke. So when people yeah. complain, people are like, oh, it's so hard. I have to eat chicken and rice and tilapia and asparagus for my last six weeks. Give me a fucking break, man. People would kill to eat like that once a day, never mind five or six times a day. So I find it personally embarrassing when people are like, oh my God, it's so hard. I just want to quit. Then fucking quit. It's not for you. Absolutely. And 
it, it's so funny because I've had this conversation with many people, maybe even with, with you. Um, I don't really have food dislikes. You know, when I ask my clients, when I give them the form, the, 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 fir the first form to fill in with the information about themselves and what we're trying to do, whether it's livestock or competitive, there's a question that basically says, list your food allergies and your food dislikes. There's some people that have a lot of food dislikes. And, you know, in some cases, if they just cannot digest them, uh, absolutely, it's, it's you know, perfectly valid. But in some cases, they're just like, oh, I just don't like it. And, and, and it makes me wonder, like myself, I, we come from a place in which you don't really have a choice. If there's food on your table, it's a good day. There's, it's a win. Eat it. Um, but I think, uh, you know, yeah. So I think because of that, it shaped my mentality of all food is freaking delicious. Eat it. I, I can't think of any, any food dislikes really that I have. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just very interesting to me when I see a, quite a long list of dislikes and i'm like oh come on you don't like avocado i love i mean so i am good. mexican after all you're latino so obviously it's, yeah it's so fucking good in man. our diets uh dude i yeah. literally just said before the podcast started you know for the people that are listening I, I i made sure to eat meal one before we started recording but i said to you i'm like man it's gonna be a sad day when you take avocados out of my diet yeah and, and and that's how i feel about many things you know um there's a lot of elements like that right and I, you know, I can't, I mean, this is just a personal view. Like I, I don't, I, I personally cannot understand people that, I, that don't like eating meat and I respect it, but I don't think I can do it. I just my, I don't know if it's a psychological or physical factor, but I, I just crave it. I, I, I enjoy it so much. And of course I'm not for the cruelty that some practices employ when it comes to, you know, creating this or, or, or getting this meat to our table but just the taste itself man like i i don't know i don't know if it's my background my blood type whatever i love it and that's another thing that you know dietary wise where i i just cannot identify for people that don't like it but that's just me then again yeah that's fair man um okay we've had a ton of technical issues I need to make it to Ikea. I want to talk about one last thing and uh, it's going to take some time probably. So let's speak on it and let's be, let's be thorough and I'll go first this time. We're going to talk about uh, the current state of mental health when it comes to uh, men in general. And we can talk about the fitness aspect and, you know, post, I, I can't even say post COVID because whatever the lockdown in Ontario and stuff is just a commencing yeah. once again. Well, let's just touch on it. And we'll close out with that one. So being someone myself, like I, I personally in the past, I, I've struggled with depression. I still battle with uh, PTSD. Uh, for a lot of people that don't know, I, uh, I spent some time in my, let's call it early 20s, um, made some mistakes, ended up in prison, sold some drugs, whatever. But while I was there, you know, I developed some, some serious depression and some PTSD because of, fuck, man, like you see a lot of things. And it's ironic because, you know, I personally spent nine months uh, in solitary confinement for getting into some trouble when I was there. We had talked, spoken about the Humberto. And, you know, I know sometimes me and you, we laugh about it because I'm like, ah, this quarantine isn't shit compared to like what happened in there. Perspective. Um, perspective it's perspective and opinion only so please don't take that out of context it's because i've lived it right 
spending nine months in a room for 23 hours a day, one hour out to get fresh air. It's almost the same, except worse than what people went through with quarantine. Because people who went through the quarantine, it's like, if you sold your vehicle, you can go for a drive, you can get some fresh air, whatever, right? But but when I see people struggling now, and I see people that you know come off of these lockdowns, and it, you could tell like they're not okay, I relate, and I see that. And I've always made the point of trying to make sure that if it's someone I know or I don't know, if I see their Instagram story, you can tell they're struggling, I'll reach out, whatever, right? But we're at a point right now where mental health is so crucial. You see so many guys that they're too proud to actually say anything and, and, and seek the help. And I'll be fucking honest, man. I'm, I'm one of those guys. Like I, uh, way, way too proud to actually go and talk to anyone about my shit. And, and for me personally, it's because literally from the age of 16, from when I was doing my thing and involved with certain people to the age of like 23 years old, if you showed any kind of you know, softness or weakness, or you spoke about your mental health, people look at you in a way that like, you know, you were incredibly soft. And that was just something at that point in my life that was so instilled in me that I couldn't actually afford to open up to anybody, whether it was a mental health doctor or whether it was a friend, because I felt like I get viewed a certain way. So the reason why I bring this up is because there are a lot of people that you see are similar in the sense of, they feel like they're too proud or they have to present themselves a certain way. And it's not okay for them to speak about how they sincerely feel deep down. And that's a very toxic thing because if you can't talk about the things that are, are actually causing you some type of pain or grief or losing sleep or making you feel anxious or anxiety or whatever, or give you any kind of, let's just be honest, certain thoughts, you got to get past it. You got to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. Because if you don't, it's going to get worse and it's going to keep getting worse. And it's going to get you to a point where you're going to be at the, the boiling point, the breaking point, right? Whether it can become extreme or you're going to become emotionless and it's going to break you mentally. So I thought it was important that we talk about it. Um, we both know a lot of people, I think, that struggled in the past year. And now more than ever, it's something that a lot of people need to talk about. What's your opinion on it? I know you yourself, like you're pretty easy going laid back guy, but I'm sure you've had a lot of clients in the past year or two that maybe have struggled with mental health, uh, especially men in general. So what's some advice that you might give Humberto to those going through it, or maybe that you have given in the past? I have been described as a very private person. And I believe there is some truth to that. Um, you know, the fact that I, you know, I, I read somewhere that I think it's a Chinese saying or something like that. They basically say, it basically says that you have, we all have three masks. You have the mask that you show to the public. You have the mask that you show to your close ones and people that really know you. And you have the third and ultimate mask that is your absolute 100% true self that only you know. The reason I'm mentioning this is because I subscribe to that philosophy somewhat um there's things that go through our minds there's this there's thoughts there's things that only we know um and and only we whether it's we we choose not to portray or make it public i think that's the case with a lot of people i made i believe last week a story about it basically asked what is your definition of a real man because i was very curious to see what the response would be from the audience and of course we got 
actually most responses were from females. And my take on that is the following. If you have, if you're a male and you are going through a situation when it comes to depression or anxiety that is preventing you from doing things, from thinking clearly, consistently, and it's almost bringing you to a stall, that is where you need to reach out and seek help. Because in my opinion, being a man is not about hiding your feelings or you know, subscribing to that real men don't cry. I think a real man is really in tune with his emotions. He's very self-aware. And those emotions actually are going to make you a more emotionally intelligent person, which is going to help you in your day-to-day decision-making. There's instances in which emotions take over your actions. And that is, if you're not emotionally intelligent, intelligent enough, you're just going to make mistakes out of emotion. And this is as simple as uh, road rage. You know, someone cuts you off or someone, you know, so someone that acts on, on it a little bit too much or takes it a little bit too aggressively, I think is potentially not in touch with their emotions deeply or as, as potentially as they can. This is something important because, again, it could lead you to committing mistakes that could be otherwise prevented. I, at one point, started to see losing control of your emotions as a sign of weakness for myself, uh, because that is something that I strive to, to really control and to strive to improve in. I do believe that being a man is more about things like taking accountability for your actions, facing things that are hard to face, including yourself, perhaps, really digging deep, really digging into self-awareness and what are your real flaws and what you really truly need to work on. Unfortunately, I think there's in kind of going back to the dating in the fitness industry uh, factor, there's a lot of people that jump from one relationship to the other. My take on that, they're way too scared of themselves and of their thoughts. They're afraid to be alone. And if they're afraid to be alone, it could potentially be the fact that they just don't like who they are. They don't want to face it. It's too hard to face. Or potentially there's some underlying psychological trauma that they are avoiding because it, it is hard. It is very hard. And then spending time alone makes it that much harder. Being going to bed alone at night it's hard because when the lights are out, when there's absolutely nothing but silence and you're left with your own thoughts, that is what tells you whether you have peace or mind, of mind or not. That is the most, one of the most vulnerable moments in my opinion, because if you're restless, if you're not comfortable with where you are, you might not even realize it, but you might not be able to go to bed at night literally because you don't like who you are becoming or where you are currently, or perhaps your actions have made you feel some sort of guilt. That is something that is very hard to really dig deep in and and face. So facing these things, as much as uh, things like keeping your word, these are things that in my opinion, more than actually just portraying a strong front, whatever the hell that means, I think these are things that are more manly than anything else, more of what a real man is rather than not crying or because it takes a lot of strength to to reach out and and, and accept 
your own flaws and realize that you know you need help like that sometimes is what's necessary but it is very hard and it takes a lot of guts so if you're in this situation if you're if you're unsure whether what what course of action to take and you're experiencing depression as a male or some sort of anxiety that is preventing you from living to your potential reach out man i'm telling you you got it it's a big thing guys you got to realize that it doesn't make you any less of a person in fact it shows real strength when you take the steps for yourself and take that accountability and ownership to get the help you may or may not need do you know um honestly it's all going to benefit you at the end of the day sometimes even if it's something that you may feel embarrassed to say out loud maybe you say it out loud and all of a sudden it doesn't feel so embarrassing anymore and you know you feel much more comfortable with yourself uh, it's, it's crazy to to say actually what you just touched on right there when you said people that bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship is because they're scared to be alone or maybe they just don't like who they are as a person i mean those are real things we see it every day you know it's almost reflectant actually of like those 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 guys for example that slide from one dm to the next dm to the next dm to the next dm because they just want to have you know what's and it's shitty to put it this way but they just want to have you know one interaction after another and maybe that's a reflection of that too just the never wanting to be alone but you know, you, you constantly have that need for someone else. Right. And the other thing too, is like these people that jump from one relationship to another, to another, right there, you're realizing that these relationships are not working. And it's either because A, you really don't know what you want. Why? Because you don't even know who you are. You need to establish that and have it really fucking clear in order for you to realize what you want. Because if you don't know what you want, you're going to go from relationship to relationship disappointment after disappointment and you're not even going to know why this isn't working so you need to really be certain of who you are what you want once you have that once you've worked on yourself once you then you're ready then you're ready to add another factor another person into your unit so it's important to realize if you don't it's it's, it's just really unlikely for you to to find what you're looking for to have a successful relationship. Okay, agree or disagree on this one with me. If you don't already feel whole and complete on your own, do you think that you're going to find that by getting into a relationship with somebody? If you're not, if you don't know who you are yet? No, if, like, let's say for example, like, let's say you had Atlas at the success that it is now, but mm -hmm. you and Kat, Kat haven't met yet. Mm -hmm. but, you feel, but you don't feel satisfied. Like you don't feel very whole. Like you don't feel like, content with the way things are in life do you think that that relationship whether it was a cat or somebody else is going to make you feel complete or are you still going to feel that emptiness going into the relationship well that's just even even just how you were wording it it's it's not about feeling complete like if you're you have to be complete on your own that's if, my point absolutely and once you feel complete on your own you can reach for someone that has the ability to build on your complete self. So the other thing, the other point that I was going to touch on is that perhaps another reason why these relationships, people that jump from one relationship to the other, they don't work is because if you have a, an incomplete you, that is going to be 
noted and by, by the other person. You're not fully complete as a whole. So this is going to bring problems uh, uh, regarding vision, drive, where, if you don't know where you are, it's very hard for you to know where you're going to be or where you want to go. So these little things, whether it's, you know, projects in your life, whether it's developing your own personality as well, these are going to be spotted by your significant other too. So this person will eventually realize this person, there's something off, there's something not whether it's inconsistency, because there, you know, that is such a thing where you don't know yourself. When you don't establish your own, your own rules for life, your own norms or your own manifesto, so to speak, of what you believe in, what are non-negotiables in your life, whether it's you know, what you look for in a partner, what, what, whether it is how you react to certain situations, when things are just not clear, when there's no base, there's going to be inconsistency in your actions versus your words and also in your behavior. So this will potentially also bring uh, stress to the relationship. And the person, the other person may realize this person doesn't really know what they want. Is it me? Who knows? They don't know. So I don't know. So important to note as well. All right. Well, uh, with all the tech issues and everything, that's uh, I'm pretty much good if you're good. I'm good. That's a wrap in my books. All right. Well, let's uh, maybe give Shaw a phone call here. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to have a serious conversation with someone for sure. Okay. I'm just busting your balls. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, like always, talk to you next week. Maybe we'll have uh, another guest. Maybe it'll be Ron Partlow. Maybe it'll be Tyler Johnson. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, well next week we have Amr, the Hammer oh, Camera. Right. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Hammer. So. Yes. Hammer the hammer from Hammer Fitness. Man the fuck up, lady the fuck up. I don't know how many companies the guy has anymore. He's got a lot. I think he's a, he's building a gym right now. Um, yeah, he's got he a lot going on. So he already good. had one before that. Yeah, he's going to have a second one. He's working on a second one. He's building a second one, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited to talk to him because he's definitely an entrepreneur that I think we both look up to. So, Absolutely, man. That guy... Uh, He's got a he's he he is the example of being a minimalist and you know actually turning his his goals into reality. So it'll be a yep. good episode. Uh, but all right, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you follow us on Spotify or YouTube, like, share, subscribe, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Until next time.